Welcome to a second ATP podcast in two days. Still in Italy, but we've moved from Milan and the next-gen finals to Turin and the season-ending Nito ATP finals, where eight singles players and eight doubles teams go head-to-head for one of the most prestigious prizes in the game. In the singles, as well as vying for the title, two players also have the chance to overtake the injured Carlos Alcaraz and be the year-end number one. The first of them is fellow Spaniard Rafael Nadal, who's qualified for this event 17 times before, but is still yet to win it. And he's had not a bad year. Well, of course, overall, have been an amazing positive year, no? Because uh, achieving uh, important tournaments, being in a privileged position of the of the ranking. Um, I have been father uh, a few weeks ago, so overall have been an amazing year. On the other hand, this that have been a tough year too. No? Uh, a lot of issues <laughs> with the body uh, that didn't allow me to, to play as much as I, I would like. Uh, but overall have been a great year, I take it. And you mentioned the challenges you've had this year and yet you're still number two in the world behind Carlos, who, who's number one. It's a historic first for Spain, um, one and two for the first time. Given all you've done for Spanish tennis, how proud are you of, of that, of this moment? Well, it's, yeah, it's something <laughs> difficult to, to imagine that uh, not a super big country have uh, first and second player on the ranking uh, at the same time, but uh, it happened. You know, Carlos uh, had uh, an amazing year, happy for him. Uh, congratulations uh, for all this all his achievements, uh, I think it's it's great for 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 our country and for tennis that uh, arrives somebody like like Carlos that he's super good and uh, and yeah and for me personally being that privileged position at the age of uh, 36 and a half is something that uh, I I will not imagine a few years ago no so just happy for that. You do want to swap the numbers around before the end of the year, maybe? <laughs> How do you do that? I don't know. I, 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 it's not my approach, but uh, if that happens, we'll be, of course, super happy, but <laughs> I think it's going to be difficult. For Nadal to claim top spot, he'll have to win the title in Turin, starting in the green group, where he'll face round-robin ties against Kasper Ruud, Felix Auger-Aliassime and Taylor Fritz. The only other player capable of finishing the year ranked number one is Greek star Stefanos Tsitsipas, who starts in the red group alongside Daniel Medvedev, Andrei Rublev and Novak Djokovic. Tsitsipas needs to go unbeaten in Turin and knows it'll be a test of body and mind. Oh, no way! No way has he made that! I am Stefanos Tsitsipas and this is my mentality. Never stops fighting, never stops believing. Such a huge appetite for competition, this guy. Each player has a different mentality, a different approach to tennis. How would you define yours? Aggressive, slightly creative. I'm never really satisfied by doing the same thing over and over again. I was trying to find new creative ways to, to perform a certain task and play uh, in any conditions. Welcome to London and the Nito ATP Finals. From Greece, Stefanos Sissipas.
serving at 6-4 at the ATP Nito Finals in London, and that was in tiebreak. I think I missed my first serve by very few centimeters. I go for an unpredictable second serve towards uh, Dominic's uh, forehand side. I felt was the right thing to do. It was kind of an instinct to do the opposite of what he would have expected in such a crucial, important moment. Stefanos Tsitsipas is the 2019 Nito ATP Finals champion. I just need to stay as much alive as possible. I need to be in that moment. I need to slow down time. That is something that goes through my head. If I'm able to slow time down, then I'm able to see and predict and execute. I guess that's what adrenaline does to you. It kind of makes everything move so fast and in such a great flow without thinking sometimes. And he's the first ever Greek champion in the history of the season-ending championships. It's the fourth title of his career, but easily the biggest. What a day. Sometimes you're not conscious, that's, uh, and that's something that can be in a way dangerous when you are very close at something huge and big for you. It's only specific certain moments that you allow yourself to enter that zone. What a moment this is for the young Greek. He claims his very first Masters 1000 title, and in doing so, he's the first ever Greek Masters champion. Reward towards pressure. More positive experiences you have out of it, more you are keen on getting to these moments or excited to be facing those moments uh, and trying to find solutions as well. 5-3 serving for victory. Looks like it's all done, but a couple of loose points. Wow, where did that come from? Eight points in a row for Schwarzman. Just completely lost his rhythm now. Having faced those moments in a traumatic way where you're not able to respond and find ways and fight back and sometimes even win, that's when it really kind of gets tough to manage those thoughts once this moment reaches during a match. See how much is taken out of him, but again, he's found a way to win. Having to deal with those emotions, having to deal with your own thoughts, I would say that it's only you. External pressure, in a way, it's out of your control. But internal is, you're in full ownership, full control of that. Mission accomplished in Monte Carlo for Stefanos Tsitsipas. It's back-to-back -back titles. That is something that you can practice and master over the course of many, many years. Tsitsipas so dialed in, so focused throughout. Time now for another champion story from this event's glittering past. This time we go back to 2001 and a massive year for Leighton Hewitt. Throughout that whole year, I hadn't focused on trying to get to number one in the world at all. It hadn't crossed my mind. Um, 
not even trying to win a Grand Slam. And, and then obviously the US Open came along and, and you know, played fantastic, put myself in a position, finished the year off really strongly uh, as well. And then all of a sudden going into you know, my home end of season Masters Cup, I, my goal at the start of the year was just to qualify for the top eight, to, to be there in Sydney. And, and Pat Rafter and I spoke about that a lot. You know, the opportunity to play in our backyard at a season ending final was a massive achievement for both of us. Um, and then there was three of us in the end that could have, if we won the tournament, we would have ended up world number one. That was, Guga was obviously leading, I was number two, and then Agassi was number three. Um, and throughout, you know, I was able to get through my, my group stage. Um, and the way the matches turned out with, you know, points for winning those round robin matches, Guga actually didn't qualify and I'd beaten Agassi in the round robin as well. Andre Agassi, a rapid departure. In the end, on the Friday night, I had to play my good mate Pat Rafter uh, for the number one position. Um, I was already guaranteed to, to go through the semi-finals anyway, um, but with the extra points from winning another round robin match, I would have actually, you know, sealed the number one ranking. And uh, yeah, it was a, a strange match. Uh, Pat and I had to play a Davis Cup final the following week together. Uh, I looked up to, he was like a big brother to me, Pat, for so many years and, and to be out there and looking back on it, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way to actually share that experience and that moment with Pat, who was a former world number one as well. Uh, it was really special, especially in Sydney. Yes, Glenn Hewitt is the world number one. Two sets to love. And fitting that it should Seven end five, with a winning Tremendous reception for the new world number one. The first Australian ever to end a year as the world number one. The third Australian after Rafter and John Newcomb to reach the heights of the game. I played Grosjean in the first match of my group stage and I actually lost the first set. Uh, and from then on I didn't lose another set for the whole week. So I, I felt like I got better and better as the week went on. And, uh, yeah, it really was, yeah, sitting back, a, a massive dream, you know, an achievement. Oh, yeah. So the remarkable run of Leighton Hewitt continues. Hewitt and Grosjean meet for the second time. Do it in Sydney, but not only claim the number one ranking for the first time in your home country, but also go on to win the Masters Cup. Yeah, it's it's and for a second year in a row, the world number one three, wins the Tennis three, Masters six, Cup. The man of the year is Leighton Hewitt. Very satisfying um, to know that all the hard yards and sacrifices that you make, uh, you know, pay off. And uh, you know, just sitting back and yeah, for me there was always the opportunity of, of playing for Australia and winning Davis Cups and trying to get to the pinnacle of our sport and, and holding up a Grand Slam trophy and uh, you know, within. A couple of years on tour, I was fortunate enough to have all three. A nation of sporting heroes has a new one. Leighton Hewitt. Uh, yeah, pretty much, I think. I think that's, uh, you know, just the, the my personality. Um, I think it's something you're born with and, um, you know, I, I think I'm a true competitor out there. Um, it wouldn't matter what I was doing, I, I want to try and get the absolute best out of myself. Um, and I feel like it, it's pushed me to keep going and have such a long career. Is You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. 2022 has been a year of highs and lows for Daniel Medvedev, many of the lows outside his control. So, how does he reflect 
on the year as a whole. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that, in a way, it's still been a good year, you know. I qualified for Turin, uh, which means I'm in the top eight players in the world. Even when I didn't play my best tennis, I had some pretty good results still. Uh, and I knew inside of me that I was not playing my best, but yet I couldn't be too disappointed because still made some decent results and I was thinking, okay, well, just have to try harder. But really happy so far uh, how the end of the season started. And I just want to continue to try to build the momentum for next year also. It'll always be the year two when you reach world number one for the first time. Having got there, how desperate are you to get back there? Like, I, I'm not desperate, but uh, I really want to. And in a way, I know how it's done, you know. You just have to, yeah, play play good uh, throughout the whole year. If you want to finish year end number one, uh, you have to play good from uh, from start till the end. Uh, you can, of course, reach number one as I made, making an amazing end of the year, doing not bad at the start of the year. So this will make it a calendar year, a lot of points, uh, which now maybe I know how to do. Now the goal will be to, to try to make a better uh, whole year. But uh, yeah, I know that I uh, have the possibility to earn a lot of points in the biggest tournaments in the world. And that's where it's the most important. And that's what I didn't manage to do this year. Uh, and that's what I'm going to try to do uh, next year. And of course, Medvedev knows just how it feels to lift the trophy. I'm Daniel Medvedev, and this is my journey in winning 2020 NITO ATP Finals. Hello and a warm welcome to London for the very last time as we look to crown the 2020 champion here at the 50th anniversary of the NITO ATP Finals. Mistake. A nice way to finish from Daniel Medvedev. Yeah, for sure in 2020 I wanted to do better than 2019. The thing about tennis is that uh, when you win something, you can uh, lose the next week and you're going to forget your win. And the thing about coming in 2020 to ATP Finals was that I couldn't do worse uh, than in 2019. What a remarkable turnaround. So I had uh, not much pressure and uh, at the same time I had the experience of being there in London, of knowing what it is to play straight away from the first uh, match against a top 10 opponent because that doesn't happen uh, in any other tournament. Best eight players in the world competing for one of the most prestigious trophies in the sport. Well, first of all, uh, we played against Sasha in uh, Paris final and it was a very tough match. And uh, I just tried to, to bring yeah, this uh, confidence from uh, beating him in the final to this first match because this match was, uh, I think, really important for us. We both had Novak in the group. Uh, and even if I managed to, to beat him later, uh, still, when you have Novak in the group, uh, you know that every other match uh, is uh, maybe even more important. We were both pretty nervous, but uh, finally it was, in my opinion, a very high-level match where I managed to have the edge. There aren't too many guys playing better tennis than Medvedev at the moment. Finishes in style, that's a significant win for Daniel Medvedev. He's beaten the 2018 champion in straight sets, 6-3, 6-4. Here we go then, backstage, welcome once more to live pictures from the O2. Medvedev up against Djokovic. I think everything I wanted to do worked pretty well. Uh, 
let's be honest, it was definitely not uh, the best match uh, of Novak's career, but that's what happens uh, many times. Uh, and I remember that, yeah, I was uh, on top of my game at this moment. Didn't miss much, didn't give many opportunities to my opponents, and uh, it was enough that day to, to beat Novak in two sets. And we are looking forward to what should be another great battle between two of the top four players in the world. Threads the needle, what a backhand. It's a third double fault. What an angle. Match point, Medvedev. The third victory of his career against the world number one, Novak Djokovic. He will be full of confidence heading into Saturday's semi-finals. Yeah, now that uh, 2020 and 2019 is over, it's actually funny to look back on these two matches because I felt like in 2019, in my opinion, I had the little, uh, let's say, edge, uh, edge on Rafa. I played a little bit better. Rafa is always there, he's always fighting. And uh, finally, we're uh, back there, uh, same court, uh, one year later. And after the match, I was like, yeah, that's kind of a revenge, if we can say it like this, because it's the same court and exactly the same tournament, and now I managed to, to win. Let's turn this match around. Medvedev looking for his first victory over the Spaniard. It is a first victory over Rafael Nadal for Daniel Medvedev, and it takes him into his very first final here in London. The feelings were uh, were great. Uh, the only thing is that uh, I think with Rafa we finished. Uh, if it was not after midnight, it was definitely really close to being midnight. So the wake-up was pretty tough for the final. I was feeling a bit rusty. My body was not feeling well after a tough match. Uh, but I knew that, yeah, it's a final of, uh, of uh, an ATP finals, so I need to be at my best. And uh, the match was actually one of the most uh, remarkable matches of my career. After an entertaining seven days full of thrills and spills, it's the world number three Dominic team up against the world number four Daniel Medvedev. He was uh, all over me, playing better in the beginning of the match. Oh, you're joking. A huge slice of luck. Medvedev is in control of the point. You can see the disappointment. It eventually turns into a smile. I managed uh, the second set to save uh, some important break points, and that's where the match turned a little bit. I started to feel that now I have uh, my chance, and I, uh, I started to play better, move better. I started to feel less fatigue. And finally, when I look back, it was one of the best matches of my career. Four opportunities to put this set to bed. Needs just the one. Seven points in a row. 30 love in the game. I made a great serve. I thought it would be 40 love. Uh, I think I made a serve on the line. He somehow got to it and uh, returned deep, played a point, and then we're at 30 all. Then we're 40 30. I'm like, uh, it's, I think, many times on match point that's what happens. Uh, you're like, just need the first serve, I just need it in. And I remember I decided to go wide to his backhand. Worked pretty well, he missed it, and yeah, I was uh, pretty happy. It's a championship point for Medvedev. Daniel Medvedev is the Nito ATP Finals champion. For sure, uh, winning uh, titles like ATP Finals against the best players in the world, and I actually managed to, to beat the top three seeds there. It's amazing for the confidence, and that's where you're like, okay, I'm able to do it. It means any tournament you can do it. And now, 
the 2020 NITO ATP Finals Champion, Daniel Medvedev. Former world number one Novak Djokovic secured his place in Turin by winning Wimbledon, but finished the season so strongly by reaching the Paris final that he also finished in the top eight as of right. But it's a different feel to the group stages for him this year, as he told Richard Connolly. This is going to be probably the first time uh, that I'm going to play uh, uh, you know, number one or number two seed uh, uh, in World Tour Finals uh, after many years. You know, I think it was my first or second year that I experienced that of when I qualified back in, back in Shanghai in 2007 and 2008. Uh, you don't so feel like the underdog it's, it's, though, do you this week? I don't. I don't feel like I'm as young as the other guys. You know, it's been it's been a while uh, since the first participation in the World Tour Finals. Um, but you know, I, I've been in a good shape. I think you know, particularly in the last four or five months. You know, I've won Wimbledon and most of the tournaments that I had indoors prior to to World Tour Finals. Um, you know, I'm 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 motivated and I'm you know uh, looking forward to a challenge. You know, I think the intensity, as I said, is going to be really high. Uh, right from the blocks, I have to be uh, focused, like I'm playing finals, and and each match is going to be this way. Lastly and briefly, if you were to end this year, which has been has wonderful highs, but it has been challenging. If you were to end this year with a sixth title, what would that say? A perfect ending, a cherry on the cake, I mean, for sure. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a long way. It's, it's, it's a long, long week. You've got to play the best, the best players in the world. Everyone, more or less everyone, you have to play in this tournament at least once. So, you know, I look forward to it. I think, you know, I've had experience in, the, in this format, in this tournament many, many times, and hopefully that can serve me in a good way. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. Norway's Kasper Ruud has reached two Grand Slam finals in 2022 and at the US Open was a win away from becoming world number one. He takes his place in the green group alongside Nadal, Oje Aliassime and Taylor Fritz. You know, I've been able to perform well at the highest uh, level of tournaments um, in the ATP 1000 tournaments and uh, and the Grand Slam. So that's uh, tournaments where I haven't been able to reach as far as I've done this year, which is a new step in my career, which is something I have sort of worked hard for and uh, that I seeked coming into this uh, year to accomplish because Last year, when I had a little bit of a you know breakout season, broke into the top ten for the first time, but I was still missing like a really big result in a Slam or a Masters Thousand event. I did well in Turin. I, I I made semis, which was a great result for me. So there were some very like steady uh, results uh, over the whole year. But um, this year, the goal was when we started to to have a. Um, to reach a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam was the main goal um, because I had never done that before. And then Australia came, uh, it's the first one, and I twi- rolled my ankle the day before the tournament. I couldn't play, which was a shame. You know, you travel all the way down and back home without even playing a match. So that was uh, that hurt, of course, obviously, uh, obviously, that I couldn't play. So when Paris came around, I was just motivated to sort of seek some revenge and uh, try to seize the opportunity, and I was able to do so. And uh, the final there, you know, 
made me realize that I can uh, make it far on the big stage and um, more self-belief going into future Grand Slam tournaments, knowing that my body can hold up and also tennis-wise I can uh, I can do well. So um, I think that uh, I don't think I would have made finals of US Open unless I had done it in Paris, to put it this way. So uh, I'm very happy with those two results and. As every year or every other player, you will uh, you will meet some tough losses during during year. It's a long year, so anyone will have some tough losses. But uh, I've been able to do also well in the biggest stage, so I'm I'm happy with uh, with all the year and hope I can finish it in a good way. What do you think it's been in your game that's enabled you to go that extra distance? Well, I'm always trying to improve my game, whatever it is. If it's uh, physically, you know, moving around the court, if it's shots, uh, forehand, backhand, serve, return, whatever it is that we need to work on, we're always working, no matter where we are, uh, what time of the year. But um, I think mostly my self-belief has gone up a little bit in myself that I can, like I said earlier, perform on the biggest stage and reach far in the biggest tournaments because that was hard for me to believe two, three years ago that uh, was realistic for me to be there on the you know biggest courts in the world and, and winning matches there. So um, that has obviously helped and that has increased you know week by week the last two years or so since we sort of started again after the covid break uh, i have reached several semi-finals of uh, atp 1000 tournaments one final and then you know now two finals of slam so it's just been gradually going a little bit better and better so i think also my self-belief has gone up and um yeah that's a good thing and tennis wise i think i'm moving better than what i did two years ago and I have better ground strokes. Um, I think my backhand has improved. Uh, it's not as big as of a weakness as it maybe was before. Um, I can stay in rallies longer. I can produce more from my backhand side. And yeah, I know that if I'm able to come around and play with my forehand, I I um, can produce winners with it. So um, I, I uh, that's the way I like to play and try to play. But yeah, I think I've improved. The shot that has improved the most is probably my backhand the last uh, year or so. Taylor Fritz is the first American to compete in the Tour Finals since 2018. His place was confirmed by the withdrawal of Carlos Alcaraz, but it started to look likely as early as March when he clinched the BMP Paribas Masters in Indian Wells. When I started the year, my initial goal was top 10, and then after kind of how the year started, I was like, okay, well... I definitely am in a good position to potentially make it make it here. So then, you know, that became a goal of mine. So I'm, you know, I'm just really happy to be here. Excited to excited to play. Was it a, a weight on your shoulders that pressure to make it, or was it a motivating force to, to keep you going? A little bit of a little bit of both. I think it's good to have the pressure of making it. I think having a little bit of um, pressure is good and. And then, yeah, I was using it as motivation all year, for sure. It's quite a special event. You've already experienced some of the theatre and the razzmatazz. Is that your kind of thing? Uh, probably not, to be honest. I, I, it probably it is my thing when I'm, you know, on the court and I'm playing. I like all of the, you know, the crowd and the energy. But off the court, I'm super, like, laid back, relaxed. Don't really like to do too much, so, you know. You've been here a while. I think you were practicing on Monday. Yeah, Is I mean, that... as as uh, you know, being American, I don't really have anywhere to 
to go after after Paris, especially after uh, an early exit in Paris. So I heard that um, the site here opened on Monday. So I went on, you know, a nice little like three day vacation, more to like a retreat, like spa, just kind of like relax, make sure, get my body feeling really good. And then I've been here since Monday, just training, getting ready. And you need to be ready, don't you? Because <laughs> Natal is first up. I was thinking, I mean, the Indian Wells final, the Wimbledon quarterfinal, the two times you've played Rafa this year, two of the defining matches of your year. For sure. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's playing Rafa, it's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, the match we had at Wimbledon was very close. And it's very, you know, between the two matches we played, you know, very high highs and very low lows for how I kind of came out of those matches. So, I don't know, I'm excited to be opening, opening with him on Sunday night. What are your ambitions for the week? To win, I guess, <laughs> you know, I, I think what makes all the people here um, who they are and, you know, part of the reason why everyone here is here is everyone goes into every event believing that they can win. So, uh, you know, obviously I want to have a good showing, but I'm like everybody else, I'm here to win the event. Fritz's elevation into the main draw opened up another alternate spot in Turin. After his electric end-of-season form capped off by victory over Novak Djokovic in the final of the Rolex Paris Masters, it was 19-year-old Dane Holger Rune who ended up packing his bags for Turin instead of the next-gen finals in Milan. Hi, I'm Holger Rune and this is how I travel. So, this is my headphones and uh, you know, this is a very important thing, you know, before matches you can kind of get in your own mood, get in your own world and uh, it's, it's really helpful, it's nice to get, you know, your rhythm inside yourself. I like to listen to some pop, you know, some, some energy that, you know, can kind of hype you up a little bit before the matches and uh, just like 15 minutes before, before the match I go into my own kind of thing and do my warm up and just ready for the game. Next item is uh, my braces. Yeah, it's a funny one. This is uh, to keep my teeth nice and uh, to keep them in the same place. And uh, yeah, this is my dentist at home who, who gives me this one and says I have to wear this one. Then I have cards. Yes. I play a card game called, it's Danish card, it's called Olsen. It's like, uh, it's a bit like Uno. Are you quite competitive when you play cards? I'm very. I can get very upset, yeah. <laughs> I want to win all the time, no matter if it's tennis or card. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a great fun. And at the same time, my team also wants to win. My mom, my coach, my physio. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a good time, yeah. Do you keep track during the season of who's won the most card games? We don't. We did uh, one time when I was in Japan, actually, and uh, I was losing, so <laughs> it was not the best moment for me. We don't do that anymore, though. No, we don't count them. <laughs> and then we have this one, and this is uh, for the recovery. You can do it on the legs, and it's, uh, it's actually really helpful to, you know, get the soreness out of the legs and, uh, you know, kind of wake them up in a bit. And for me, it's, it's so important. I mean, especially coming on the grass, you get sore legs, sore glutes and everything because you stay more low in the legs. and. Uh, if you want to be fresh the next day and, and, and you know, give 100% of your, what you can, you, you need to do it. Then we have this one, and this is uh, my energy drink for the endurance, and uh, this is what I put in, in my water during matches. I'm young, so I have a lot of energy, but still, when you play long matches, you need to have the fuel that it takes, and uh, 
also eating the bananas, drinking enough, and especially if, you know, everywhere we go, the conditions are different, hot, cold, and, you know, it's, it's important to have, you know, a rhythm on how much you drink in a day. Then we have my iPads here, very nice one, which I can use when I relax, just, you know, staying in the hotel room and watch some good movies, some Netflix or watch tennis or whatever, you know, I can really use it for a lot. Also, if I want to see the opponent that I got to play, you know, I can looking up and, and see what he's not the best at and it's, it's really helpful to have. What Netflix series are you binging on at the moment, Holder? I'm actually re-watching, you can say, uh, Breaking Bad. Oh yeah? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good one. Actually, my favorite is Prison Break, but uh, you know, I mix up. So the last one here is, is my phone. You know, this is uh, obviously the thing that you can't travel without. You always have it. I obviously want to focus more on tennis and not be on the phone all the time, but yeah, I mean, it's very nice and here I get all the, all the nice messages from all my fans around the world and my close people so it's, uh, it's super important also to have with me. So tell me about the bracelets that you wear. Yeah, so uh, this one is actually a new one, the green one and it's, uh, it's called Shambhala. It's, it's a Danish brand and uh, I got it uh, before Engine Wells this year and uh, this one is, is saying that I have to be calm when I play on the course, you know, to be the best version of myself and, uh, and you know, basically I think they look really good. I really, really like and enjoy to wear them. I know some people don't like to play with them. I do and, uh, it, you know, I can always tell myself if I get too frustrated, you know, to look down and, you know, just uh, keep the focus on, on the things I have to focus on. Hope you enjoyed that, guys, and I hope to see you soon. Runa starts as first alternate in Turin, followed by Paul Hubert Herkatch. On iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com, this is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. It is not only the eight finest singles players who are in action in Turin this week. Doubles shares centre stage as ever, and there's a lot to look forward to, as former player Barry Cowan told Jill Krabus. Really looking forward to the doubles, and I think the, the one pair that really get my attention actually is Kyrgios and Kokinakis. Right. I think it was interesting what they were able to do at the beginning of the year. It was quite a quite an emotional, I would say, couple of weeks. And I think it was the springboard, actually, for Kyrgios to have the year that he did have in singles to be able to win the doubles at the Australian Open. So that more or less secured their qualification. And also in the same group, you got Kulhoff and Neil Skupski. They started to play together at the beginning of the year. And I just felt that when they decided to, to make that partnership, they would just complement each other very, very well. Um, Neil was looking for an established doubles player. He, he had played a few doubles events with um, some of the singles players. But doubles players generally want to be able to plan their year with another doubles player. They know they're going to commit. So both those, those two pairs, obviously Skupski and uh, Kulhoff, guaranteed to end the year world number one. Yeah, it's interesting that both of them have had a, f a phenomenal year. That just brings up a, a topic for me about the strength of doubles. How important, because I've heard from a few doubles players that it's so important to have teams that play together for a long period of time. Do you feel like that's important for the doubles tour in general? I think it's, it's become more and more important because the doubles game has evolved. Uh, and anyone that you sort of speak to of the great doubles players in the past, now doubles is so much more fast and furious. You'll see the doubles players, they play even closer to the net. So it's very much about understanding where you move as a team where let's let's go back to Fleming Macro, arguably one of the greatest doubles 
pairs that there's ever been right. or or the woodies you know they would more they would take more of their singles expertise onto the doubles court but now it's become very much a formula and that's why some of the the, the top doubles players have had the success they had and then of course you've got going back to the Kyrgios and Kokinakis they're more sort of off the cuff so he sort of feels if if Kyrgios is dialed in you know he could be sort of the, the star of the week but some some of the other pairs I think Dodik Krychek is a good story they they sort of started Just to play started together summer, yeah. and, and, and they the made the top eight and they made the top eight yeah they yeah they've been having a phenomenal year there it's interesting the doubles in general because I feel like some of them have played together for a little while like Ram Salisbury since 2019 but other ones have been new like a Dodig at Krychek and Aravalo and Rohair are any of the teams to surprise you that that they have been they gelled so quickly? I think a wonderful story is Glasspool and Heliovara. Yeah. Because what are you you've been there, Jill. What every tennis player is hoping through tough time next week. It's going to be my week. It's going to be the breakthrough. And you never know when the breakthrough is going to be. And it all started, of course, in Rome. They weren't even in the tournament. I think, actually, Helivara was back in his home country. Lloyd Glasspool wow. was back in England. And they get this call that they got a chance for lucky losers. So then Glasspool's trying to get hold of Helivara in the middle of the night. They then make that journey over to Rome and they never look back afterwards. So it's just a great story, I think, for tennis players because you're always hoping that next week is going to be the, the the week and they've sort of they've flown since then. They really have just won a, a ton of matches. Yeah, it's a fantastic story. I might have to put you on the spot, though, and I might have to force you to choose who you feel like may go through into the semifinals and then, of course, on to win the title. That is probably one of the hardest questions I've had but, all year, Jill. But you're smart. You're intelligent, <laughs> and I think you can do it. Well, you, you always tend to think, well, let's go for the safe bet. But safe bet doesn't work in doubles because there's not a lot to choose between the uh, the eight pairs, the, the four, four pairs in each group. So let's start with the red group. I am going to go with, how about Granoyas and Zabios? And... I'm going to go for Aravalo and Roger from the red group. And in the green group, I am going to go for... I think Kokinakis and Kyrgios will be super pumped. And I think I'm going to go... don't know why. Mektic and Pavic. Well, they did, they did win it. The, my, my, re, my reasons for not going... <laughs> it's, it's just a good yeah, guess. My reasons for not going for Kulhoff and Skupski is... I think when you've had the year they've had and they've ended up as year-end number one, that is a huge goal that they would have reached. And then you've almost got to then come back down to earth and then regroup again. They won Paris indoors. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's just my rationale. Okay. I don't know if it makes sense, the rationale, but that's my rationale. <laughs> you always make sense, Barry. <laughs> okay, now we got to pick a winner. Uh, uh, let's go for... Mektic Pavic. To win the whole thing. To win the whole thing. All right, there you have it. Time will tell. Thank you, Barry. Mektic and Pavic will take their place in the green group alongside Ivan Dodig and Austin Krychek, Tanasi Kokonakis and Nick Kyrgios, and arguably the favourites for the title, the year-end number one team, Wesley Kulhoff and Neil Skupski, who've been speaking with Richard Connolly. Well, I'm here at the Palo Alto with the world's number one pair, Wesley Kohlhoff of the Netherlands and Neil Skupski of Great Britain. 
Chaps, huge congratulations on this wonderful achievement. You are going to be the year-end number one team, Wesley. How does that feel? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, feels very good, obviously. Uh, I think we've played uh, some great tennis uh, throughout the whole year. Uh, managed to win Bercy last week. Um, so yeah, therefore we cleansed uh, the number one uh, uh, spot in the, in the team rankings. So um, uh, it's very nice to already cleanse it before coming here. Uh, maybe takes the pressure off a little bit, but uh, no, I mean, we've had a hell of a season and hopefully we can finish strong here. Neil, if I'd said to you at the start of the year, that this was going to be the case, that you'd be crowned year-end number ones at the World Tour Finals. What would you have said? Yeah, no chance really. I mean, me and Wes, we kind of spoke in Paris last year uh, about teaming up in January. We set our, set our goals was only to make the, the World Tour Finals, but then we've gone on a great run. We won the first two weeks of the year in Australia. Um, and we just kind of kept on going, ending the year with winning Paris, which is a great achievement for us, winning three Masters series. Um, but yeah, we've, we're going to take home the, uh, the number one team trophy uh, in a couple of days. So looking forward to getting a hold of that, but the, uh, the job's not done. Um, very difficult tournament here um, in Torino. So we're looking forward to getting started. Get tough group, um, but we're, uh, we're playing well and hopefully we can uh, have a good run here. Wesley, I've heard you say during the course of the year that one of the reasons you're so good on the court is that you get on so well off the court. I'm intrigued what has formed the basis of that connection. What, what, <laughs> okay, you know the answer, you're thinking of it straight away, so tell us. No, I mean, there's obviously mutual, mutual interests. Um, every team is different. Some get along very good on the court and not really off the court, or maybe even the other way around. But uh, I mean, we've been performing well on court, which also helps then obviously for the stuff off court. But now we have the same interests. Uh, Premier League football is, uh, or soccer, <laughs> no, football, sorry, is, uh, is one of the main things. Uh, we love to. Uh, to drink a cup of coffee together as well and um, I think things have been going very good off court, off, off court as well. Kind of like the same, uh, same things to eat as well so that helps. Yeah. Neil, is he a Liverpool fan like you? Is that what it is? I'm trying to get him to be a Liverpool fan. I, th I think he's, uh, he's a Chelsea fan at the moment. Um, at the moment? Yeah, at the moment but we've still got a, I've still got a few weeks to work on him during uh, pre-season and then before Australia hopefully. Uh, the start of next year, he'll be a, a Liverpool fan just like myself. <laughs> OK, I'm going to return us to the tennis. There will be some listeners to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast who may not be too familiar with the pairs that are involved. And it would be great anyway to get your insight into what makes the rest of this competition so strong. So I'm going to take you through the, the teams one by one. Wesley, if you could give us an idea of what you admire about these pairs. Mektic and Pavic is going to be the one I'm going to ask you about first. And obviously, you know Nikola Mektic so well, having won the, the NITO ATP finals with him a couple of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, obviously, a very established team. They won everything, almost everything last year. Uh, one lefty, one righty. Um, Mata serves very well. Um, and uh, Mektic doesn't really miss any shots, I would say. Um, so, very, very tricky team to play. Dodig and Krajcek are also in your group, Neil. What makes them strong? Yeah, I mean, they had a, a great end of the year to, uh, to qualify for Torino. Um, yeah, like uh, lefty-righty as well. Um, Dodig, very established on the ATP Tour. Um, and Austin, he went to college in America, played a lot of doubles there. Um, and he's slowly working his way through the rankings. Um, I think maybe both top 15 now in the, in the world. So great team for next year. Um, they're going to be very difficult. They're going to improve again. Um, so yeah, very established team and um, it's going to be a difficult uh, game in the, in the group stages.
Wesley, you've got a tough opener, I think, against Kyrgios and Kokinakis. I, I don't think you've played them. Maybe they're the only combination you haven't played this year of the, of the eight. Um, so what do you think? Yeah, correct. I think we've played, obviously, a lot of matches in, against a lot of different teams, but we never played them. Um, so, no, I mean, obviously, they're, they're a bit different than, than the rest of, of the, the, the doubles guys and the doubles teams out here. Um, in personality and game? I think both, yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, everyone knows, knows Nick uh, and everyone knows, uh, knows Kokinakis as well. So, um, it's going to be a very interesting one. Obviously, they serve very good, uh, very good baseliners. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, try to find uh, the right tactic um, to, to beat them on Monday. The, other, the players in the other group, Neil, there's a good British contingent here. Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram, obviously, you know very, very well. What makes them strong? Yeah, another great team. Um, they've had a lot of success over the last few years, winning um, a couple of Grand Slams. Um, made the final of here last year. Um, Rajiv, very experienced, um, very good serving him, um, an all-round great player. Joe, very athletic, um, number one as well in the past. Um, yeah. They complement each other very well with uh, Rajiv Sperve and then Joran and that. They're, they're a very difficult team to play against. Wesley Aravalo and Roger. I guess you know Jules Roger pretty well. Yeah. Energy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> energy is the, normally the key word against them. Yeah, no, we played them four times, I think. Uh, we won all four encounters, so um, lucky for them they're not in our group. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're South American mentality, like the Caribbean mentality. Um, lot, they bring a lot of energy to the court, so I think always the, the first rule when we play against them is to try to match, match their energy. Um, no, I think they, they've had an incredible season, uh, played very well tennis, obviously won uh, Roland Garros. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's see, and uh, it would be nice to uh, play against them in the, in the semi-finals. Quick word on the last two, Glasspool and Heliovara, they really have come through uh, up the rankings a long way this year, Neil. Yeah, I would say they were the, the, the surprise team in the, in the, in the eight. Um, I mean, they've done an amazing job. I think they played maybe the first Masters series uh, maybe in Rome this year. That's right. um, so they've done it extremely well to qualify. Um, Glassball, very big game, massive serve. He's improved a lot um, since coming out of US college. And then Harry, I think he took, I think he's retired and then come back um, to play on the doubles tour. And he's, he's, he's a character, especially some of his celebrations. Um, they're probably the one of the best to see. Uh, so if he does win any matches this week, uh, I'm sure you'll uh, get a good sight. And Wesley, the last pair, but by no means the least, Granoyas and Zabayos, who've been here a few times. Yeah, I think they've played, uh, well, they obviously played together for the last, I don't even know, mm. four or five years maybe. Um, I think Granola's won it in the past as well. Um, a very experienced team, also one lefty, one righty. Um, used to be very good singles players, both top 30, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, very tricky, uh, tricky team to play. Uh, we played them in Paris this year, Roland Garros, lost to them in, uh, in the quarters. So, um, yeah, time, uh, hopefully we have uh, some time for, for revenge here this week. Fantastic. You've got careers as pundits in the future if ever you need them, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, Neil, back to you and for what this is going to be like. It's your first time at the NITO ATP Finals. Are you going to relish the intensity of every single match? Yeah, I'm going to try to. I mean, it's... Uh, over the years, I've watched it on the TV and always wanted to play. Um, growing up, watching like the Bryan brothers play here, it's, uh, it was it was just an amazing to watch them. Um, but I, I was here a couple of years ago in at the O2 Arena um, as an alternate with Jamie Murray. Um, sadly, we 
lost by, I think we lost on tournaments played, uh, we're on the same points as the last team so we didn't get to play. Um, but Wes has won it before, uh, I'm going to try and try and pick his brain as much as I can to see what the um, what he did a couple of years ago. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it, it's going to be very difficult. But yeah, we'll take one match at a time. Um, we start on Monday against the two Australians, uh, difficult match, but we're going to try to use the crowd, try and use the confidence that we bring in from Paris and hopefully have a good tournament. Wesley Kulhoff and Neil Skupski with Richard Connolly and they'll get their campaign off and running on Monday. In the red group, it's Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury, Marcelo Arevalo and Jean-Julien Roger, Lloyd Glasspool and Harry Heliovara, and Marcel Granoyer and Horatio Zabaios. It should be a lot of fun. So that is the talking over. Now on to the tennis. Remember, you can watch it all live on Tennis TV and follow all the latest on the ATP WTA Live app and on atptour.com. We'll be back with another podcast next week, rounding up events in Turin. In the meantime, check out the podcast channel for more exclusive interviews with players and coaches from Milan and Turin. For now, I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis. 